Justice League of America Exterminators by Christopher Golden. Chapter 4. Now. I never get used to the smoke, Kyle Rayner said, glancing around the smoky, gleaming steel and wood interior of all bar one. The place was on New Oxford Street in London, part of a chain according to Ian. There were loads of people on the first floor, eating lunch or just drinking coffee. A rounded metal staircase led to the second floor, but it was mostly deserted save for a large group of twenty-something women, many of whom were the source of the shroud of cigarette smoke that drifted along the ceiling of the place. This? Ian asked, brows knitting as he gestured around them. You're joking. Should have seen it here ten years ago. I grew up in Norwich, but it didn't matter where you went. Cigarettes everywhere. Make a fella sick. Ian raised a mischievous eyebrow. This now? This is bloody fresh air in comparison. Wally nodded appreciatively. It is a lot better than it used to be, and much better than on the European continent, where it still seems like everyone smokes. But compared to the U.S., yeah, well, we're not keen on making it a crime here. Ian interrupted, archly. He figure, we figure you want to kill yourself. Sort of a personal matter, isn't it? Kyle considered getting on into the whole secondhand smoke debate, but thought better of it. Ian was playing with them, and getting serious would blow the whole laid-back atmosphere of the lunch they had together they had scheduled together. It was a good time, too. Kyle had a deadline for the magazine he was working for, but he had been glad to use the JLA teleporter to hang out in London for a few hours. Ian was a nice guy and probably was so freaked out about out by having powers that he could use the company of some other guys his age who knew what it was like. Wally seemed to be enjoying himself as well. Kyle had glanced several times at the flash and was surprised to find that Wally's fingers weren't drumming on the table. His feet weren't tapping beneath it. Kyle was drinking strong coffee. Ian had a pint of something dark and aromatic, but Wally had stuck to just English lemonade, which was fine with Kyle. Caffeine was the flash's enemy. And the enemy of anyone who wanted to spend any downtime with the guy and not want to have to anchor him like a runaway parade float. It was nice, this, just hanging. And kind of weird, too. Under normal circumstances, Kyle and Wally got on well enough. Sure, Wally was married and had been established in the metahuman community since childhood. Kyle had a girlfriend, and though the ring made him one of the most powerful beings on the planet, he was pretty much the new kid on the block. Sometimes the two youngest members of the Justice League knocked heads, but Ian complimented them nicely. With him around, any differences between Wally and Kyle seemed to dissipate. So you've been asking about us this, uh, so you you've been asking about us this whole time, Wally put in, spearing a French fry into his mouth. What about you, Ian? What about me? Boring, really. Not much to tell. Got a job at an advertising firm. Been off and on with the same partner for years. Partner as in, Kyle asked, 
before realizing that his curiosity would have been construed as rudeness. Ian smiled and waved a hand in the air. Nah, it's only my girl, Sarah. We don't go in for precious words like boyfriend and girlfriend here. A bit silly. No offense. Anyway, we have a flat in Battersea. Lovely area. A silence fell amongst them. A ripple of laughter came from the large group of women across the room. Cal took the moment to study them and was fascinated. There was a simplicity to their mode of dress. Nothing too flashy or too sexy. Mostly earth tones and blacks. Yet they were all elegant. The women wore very little makeup and most of them had their hair pulled back into ponytails. It was all about practicality for these young London working women. And Kyle admired that, but they still managed to catch his eye. Kyle glanced back at Ian, at his generous smile and broad, strong features. Just a regular guy. He felt a kind of kinship with Ian that he had never found with any of the other members of the JLA. So how long have you been able to do it? The telekinesis. Ian's smile disappeared, not because he was angry, but because a kind of cloud passed over his features then. It was obvious he was not all comfortable with the power he had. Been able to do a bit of it since I was, uh, I don't know, maybe 18? At first I thought it was just luck, right? Can of paint falls off a ladder, dropping right down at me, you know? But it shoots off sideways like a like a feather on the wind, and I don't get a drop of paint on me. Little glimmers like that, but I've only been able to really control it the last couple of months. Got it sorted pretty well now. So we saw yesterday, Wally noted. It's pretty impressive stuff, Ian. Have you thought of, about what's next for you? Ian took a long sip of his ale and then leaned back in his chair away from the plate upon which sat the demolished remains of his lunch. He regarded Wally carefully as if wondering where the joke was and then glanced at Kyle. At length he slid his hand around the pint glass again and smiled. What do you mean the whole spandex bit, uh, superheroes, that sort of thing? Kyle laughed softly but, sh but shrugged. Why not? Is it as bad as, is it as, bad as all that? Trying to use your talents to help people? Suppose not, Ian allowed. No insult to you, but doesn't it seem a bit theatrical? All the swagger, I mean? Not to mention the fetish, the fetishistic element of the costumes and things. Really creepy in a way, isn't it? Cal stared at him, then slowly turned to look at Wally, only to find that he too was gawking at Ian. It was that expression... Mouth hanging open as though he might begin to drool. That struck Kyle as hysterically funny. He began to laugh loudly even that the women across the room stopped their own chatter to glance over at him. His eyes watered as he continued to laugh, covering his mouth and forcing himself not to continue. Though at, though at any moment he knew he might be reduced to a fit of giggling, he glanced at Wally who seemed annoyed. I'm sorry. Kyle said, struggling to catch his breath. You just, you had to see your face. Wally tried to maintain the straight face, but it crumbled and then his face split into a wide grin and he chuckled softly. Creepy's probably not the word I would have chosen, 
The Flash told Ian Partington, who had the good sense to look chagrined and apologetic. No, no offense, Ian ventured. Kyle waved the pseudo-apology away. No, you're right. We can't see how you'd look at it that way. Thing is, for the most part, you'll find that anyone in this line of work who dresses up in uniform or costume does so for a good reason. Sometimes it's because the outfit has uses of its own or to honor tradition. Sometimes it's the urge for secrecy run amok. Sometimes it's to convey a message to criminals or whoever it is you're up against. And sometimes, while he added with a smirk, it's because they like it. But there's no rule... No rule says you want to save the world. You've got to dress like a wanker. Ian Ian asked, "Are but there's no rule says you you want to save the world. You got to dress like a wanker." Ian asked, deadpan. No, Cal assured him. No rule. Right then, I'll give it some thought. Any replies that might have been forthcoming from Kyle or Wally were derailed by the. St- by the simultaneously abrupt grating beeping of the Justice League comlinks. They glanced at one another and Kyle reached into his jeans to pull out the flat card version of the comlink. Ian was watching him closely as as was the ra- as was the ra- waitress who had just come up fr- up the metal steps from the main section of all bar one and winced at the tiny beeping noise. When the hollow image of Wonder Woman blossomed into full color, three-dimensional life up above the card on the table, the waitress dropped the tray she was carrying. Very subtle, Wally muttered under his breath. Kyle, John, tell... Kyle, John tells me Wally's with you. You're both needed at the watchtower. You've got us, Kyle replied. Hang on just a sec, Wally said. He stood and leaned over to Ian and the two shook hands. It was good seeing you. We'll have to do this again. Oh, absolutely, Ian said, attempting to be nonchalant as he stared at the hollow image of Wonder Woman. She's a goddess, Ian whispered. Actually, she is, Kyle agreed as he stood up beside Wally and leaned over to shake Ian's hand. See you soon, amigo. Stay out of trouble. He picked up the flat comic card from the table. We're good to go, Diana, Wally announced. As the watchtower's heliport equipment retrieved them from all bar one, transporting them to the League's moon base headquarters, Kyle caught a final glimpse of the amazed look on Ian's face. Now, what was that about spandex, he said. But most of the sentence was lost in the ether between London and the moon. The Flash loved the watchtower. For the most part, it was cold, sterile, sterile environment. Only the trophy room and the individual members' quarters added much personality to the place. But he was not bothered by that. The watchtower was the physical manifestation of everything that Justice League stood for. Certainly there were those who would portray this as a negative, an Orwellian big brotherness, or orbiting the earth so that the so that the league could keep order on the planet below wally had never seen it that way the members of the justice league were not shepherds watching over the human flock but servants to the needs of the planet and its people it was the greatest gig in the world with the abilities he had been gifted with 
Wally could do so much good. His life was lived not in the eye of a hurricane, but in its midst. Even when he slowed down long enough to kick back a bit, as he had done with Kyle and Ian in London, or simply to spend some downtime with his wife, Linda, he rarely had the presence of mind to really think about his life. He had dedicated himself to the ideals of his uncle, Barry Allen, who had been the Flash before him and a founding member of the Justice League. He was always aware of that, of Uncle Barry's noble and courageous example, but his life moved so fast that he rarely had time to savor it. And yet, every time Wally West ported into the watchtower, this enormous structure on the moon, he took a moment to pause and consider what it was he was a part of and what brought all of them there together. The moment after he and Kyle arrived at the watchtower after Wonder Woman's summons, the Flash manipulated the Speed Force, fashioning from it the scarlet uniform that was modeled after the one his, bear, his Uncle Barry had worn. It was appropriate. There had been times he had been in his civilian clothes at the Watchtower, but it was rare. Here he wasn't Wally West anymore. He was the Flash. Business attire, huh? Kyle noted as he observed the costume change. Works for me. Emerald light flashed from the ring that was ever present on Kyle's finger, throwing strange shadows upon the walls and and the energy from the ring refashioned Kyle's clothing into a uniform of Green Lantern. It was subtle, but the Flash was always cognizant of a change in Kyle when he wore the mask and the uniform. Green Lantern had a history to live up to as well, and his was even more daunting in its own way. Once upon a time, there had been thousands of Green Lanterns policing the universe. They were all gone now, and nearly all of them dead. Kyle Rayner was the last Green Lantern. No one was there to meet them when they teleported into the Watchtower, but that was not unusual. The League was likely gathering already in the conference room. The Flash ran ahead, knowing Green Lantern would be flying along the corridors right behind him. Moving through the vast facility in an instant and arriving at the conference room. The speed he was moving, the gathering members of the Justice League seemed a frozen tab tableau of power. Aquaman and Wonder Woman stood on the far side of the room, where viewport where viewports allowed an extraordinary panorama of the moonscape and across the gulf of space. The earth spinning below. Superman and the Martian Manhunter were engaged in grim conversation. The only member of the Justice League who was Already seated was Batman, who sat with his gloved fingers steep, steepled beneath his chin, grimly silent as if he had retreated into himself to await the arrival of the, of the League's full com complement. Flash stood still, and the room caught up to him. He could hear the low voices of John and Sur Superman, see the impatience in Aquaman's every gesture, but his arrival was so sudden as though he had stepped out of thin air that took a moment for them to realize he had arrived. Batman was the first to notice him. Good, he said. Now we can get started. Green Lantern entered the room a moment later, but already the members of the Justice League had begun to take their places around the conference table. This was another tradition that the Flash took quite seriously. 
It was no accident that the table was round, nor that each of the chairs were set around it set around it bore a symbol representative of the person to whom it belonged. These were purposeful allusions to the round table of Arthurian legend and the knights who gathered there. The Flash took his seat. Difficult as it was for him to remain still, he did so. For a long moment, none of them spoke. He studied the others and saw a strange exchange between Batman and Superman. A hard look from Batman, which Superman chose to pretend he had not seen. Get on with it, Batman, Aquaman said curtly, imperiously. I dislike being summoned on your whim, particularly when, as far as I know, there's no great planetary threat that should require this meet, this meeting. Yes, Batman, Wonder Woman agreed. We've been very patient. The Flash glanced around at the members of the League, his friends, his heroes, and he tried to stifle the smile that teased the edge of his lips. However grave they all behaved, no matter how much they might protest, Wonder Woman obviously had not balked at Batman's request that that she leave off her monitor duty to gather the others, and none of them had ignored the summons. That was because, like Flash himself, they all knew that if Batman thought there was something going on that required the League's attention, it had to be seriously nasty. This is a planet this is a planetary threat, Batman said at length, sitting back in his chair and regarding the rest of the league. But my hope is that we will have caught it in its infancy. Batman touched a key on the arm of his chair, and light blossomed from the center of the table, forming instantly into a large spherical rotating hologram. The earth itself, at various points on the globe, were glowing dots of red and green. The members of the, Justice, of the Justice League looked to Batman for an explanation, all save John, who had either already figured out what this was about or had picked up the information telepathically from Batman. In the past few days, we have all come into contact with previously unknown metahumans, Batman said. Though he was speaking to all of them, his gaze most often fell upon Superman. This came as no surprise to the Flash. John might be the heart and soul of the League, but Batman and Superman were the North and South Poles that created the axis upon which debates so often turned. Superman and Wonder Woman encountered the pyrokinetic Julia Williams in Paris. John and I had contact with Brian Francis, whose talents include psychometry and invulnerability at the, at the very least. Batman glanced over at Green Lantern in the flash, narrowing, narrowing his eyes. The cow crinkled soundlessly, making him look even more menacing. And the flash held his breath. Batman had touched upon primal human fear in, in weaving his vigilante persona, but it had very little to do with the outfit. Most anyone else in that cape and cow would have seemed ridiculous, but Batman had tapped into something some ancestral memory, the kind of things that had, that had made early humans huddle in their caves. Amidst this group of individuals, he was the only one without metahuman abilities, and yet, of all of them, he was the only one whose presence unnerved the Flash. More than once, Green Lantern had commented that he wouldn't want to run into Batman in a dark alley. Flash's response was always the same. Who would? 
Green Lantern and The Flash dealt with not one but two metahumans in London. The one in the media is called Maelstrom, had, has disappeared, and Wally and Kyle have just come from lunch with the telekinetic Ian Partington. Someone's been peeking at my appointment book, Green Lantern muttered. Batman ignored him, glanced around once, and then continued. They aren't the only ones. There has been a dramatic spike in the number of new metahumans in the past two months. I'm sure some of you are, are aware of this. John, you especially. You've always taken a special interest in new talent. So I'm certain this has not escaped your notice. The, the, the Martian Manhunter nodded once, urging him to continue. This hollow message represents my mapping of fresh metahuman activity. Green for benevolent, red for malevolent. You'll notice that they are scattered, but that the highest concentration and extraordinary majority are located in the United Kingdom. Flash studied the spinning hollow sphere. Batman was understating it. Nearly all of the green and red blips were in the UK, with only a handful in the US and continental Europe, and one or two elsewhere. My research shows that most of those new metas outside of the UK, including Julia Williams and Brian Francis, are from the United Kingdom. Obviously, something happened there that has spurred an entire new wave of metas, alert, altering the landscape of this world. Today, a woman in Los Angeles robbed a bank simply by asking the tellers nicely to give her the money. They did so happily. Obviously, there are mental abilities at work there. More of them are appearing. More of them are appearing, with no obvious end in sight. The question is, what are we going to do about it? For several moments, silence reigned. John and Superman looked troubled, but Aquaman and Wonder Woman seemed only curious. The Flash glanced at Green Lantern, but Kyle's expression had, was partially hidden by the mask that covered his eyes. Well, Green Lantern began, it can only be good to have more heroes, right? I mean, I'm looking at the big hologram and I'm seeing a lot more green dots than red ones. Yes, fair. Or, yes, so far, Superman said. Batman lifted his shin ever so slightly. But right then, Flash felt that the decision had been made. He had never doubted a moment that the League would take seriously an issue that Batman would bring before them. But now, with two words, Superman had shifted it from an issue for discussion to an issue for action. I agree I agree it bears looking into. Wonder Woman began. But I'm not certain there's cause for great alarm. We can continue to monitor these new meta metas the way we always have. It's possible that this spike in meta development is a natural evolution rather than the result of anything sinister. Possible yes, Aquaman noted, but that is the question, isn't it? Not what is happening here, but why? Could be that freaky English diet, Green Lantern suggested. They all stared at him, but he persisted, leaning back in his chair with, <laughs> with an innocent grin. Seriously, bangers and mash, blood sausage, eating enough, eat enough of that stuff. Who knows what, what it'll do to you? Batman ignored him. He leaned forward and the cape seemed to swallow him like a living shadow. Shadow, though the room was brightly lit, something was triggered 
something has triggered these developments. They're too concentrated in both geographic and, chrono and chronology. With every single new meta, there is a new threat, says, says the one without powers, Flash thought, even though he knew Batman was right. John sat up a bit straight in his chair. His thick brow was knit in contemplation, and the white pupils at the center of, the, of his black eyes seemed oddly large. It always seemed to Flash as though the Martian Manhunter could see inside him. But that had more to do with those penetrating eyes than with John's tele te telepathy. When John Johns spoke in that low, gravelly voice, even the most powerful members of the Justice League deferred to him. The Monitor Womb will be programmed to, to collate reports that match this pattern. The League should begin to check up on those new, meta, those new metas personally. If there is no objection, I will generate assignments for each of us. I'll save Batman, of course. Green Lantern chained up in his chair, a spark of energy off his ring revealing his peak. Huh? No offense, but Batman's obviously more spooked about this than anyone. Why isn't he making house calls along the re with the rest of us? The Martian Manhunter's grim expression lightened somewhat then. John raised an eyebrow and glanced at Batman. If I'm not mistaken, Batman will already be far too busy investigating the apparent source of this wave of meta-evolution. The Flash stared at the spinning hologram of the Earth, watching as Europe came, came around again, noting the cluster of red and green blips in the United Kingdom. You're going to England, he said. Batman's only response was a single, barely perceptible nod. Ian Partington whistled, whistled tunelessly as he strode along the sidewalk toward the Hallborn tube station. It was the weekend and he had about a dozen errands planned for the afternoon. The weather was pleasant, hardly a, a cloud in the sky, and that was unusual enough for London that it lifted his spirits. He still was not used to the idea that he was knocking about with the Flash and Green Lantern. As regular as Wally and Kyle seemed, there was no getting around the fact that they were both members of the Justice League. These blokes were heavy hitters that had saved the world a dozen times over, maybe more. Wally'd been in the superhero business since he was a kid. Sure, it was a bit silly, all that marching about, tight costumes. Ian could not imagine spending his days doing that sort of thing. But ever since the telekinesis had really kicked in a couple of months back, it kind of instinct had been niggling at the back of his brain. All his life, he had been fond of saying that if anyone ever gave him a billion pounds, he'd probably give away most of it. That was the use of having all that money if you couldn't use it to do some good. Well, this wasn't a billion pounds, but didn't the same rules apply? What was the use of having this ability if he didn't use it to do some good? On the other hand, he was not about to move to America, and you just did not get the kind of metahuman crime and such in England that they had in that they had in the States. Ian was not cut out to be a superhero, and he sure as hell was not going to dress up in bloody tights and prance around like a prat, come up with some codename. 
As he passed by, an uptight fellow with a, the cell phone clapped to the side of his face. Ian snickered to himself. Yeah, I can see that. Look up in the sky. It's super good. Down a narrow alley, there, there was a merchant selling fresh fruit to the office workers who slipped out to take advantage of his wares. An enormous blonde man and his diminutive wife herded their four children along the sidewalk across the street. The husband, clutching a map in his hand, tourists, though their clothes did not immediately give them away as Americans. Ian slipped into a Boots pharmacy on the corner to get himself a Coke. He was inside for less than a minute, but, but when he emerged once more into the street, chaos had erupted. Shouts and cries of terror filled the air. People pointed. The huge blonde man and his family were still there across the street. The man trying to corral, corral his offspring and drag them away. In the middle of the street, a rough-looking middle-aged man with, the, with a crooked, pugilist nose was holding a black, bulbous taxi over his head. The vehicle appeared to weigh next to nothing as the man hefted it with both hands, dipping it so that the, that the gray-haired driver fell forward against the inside of the window shield. His face splayed against the glass. Bloody thief! roared the man with the crooked nose. He shook the cab and the windshield splintered and under the weight of the driver bouncing against the glass from the inside. In a moment, it would shatter. I've lived in this city all my life. Not some bleeding tourist you, you can bugger. You don't take the long way round when I'm in your cab. Not a chance. One more shake and the windshield would break, slashing the driver as he fell out of the taxi and tumbled to the pavement. If the broken glass did not kill him, the fall might. Spectators were gathering at what they presumed was a safe distance, waiting to see how this would all play out. The papers had been full of insane things like this in recent weeks. Another metahuman shows up on the nation's radar, just like Ian himself. For long seconds, he just stood there, a spectator himself, wondering what was going to happen next, next, wondering if anyone was going to try to talk to the man with the crooked nose or stop him somehow. It took him several moments to realize the obvious. He could help. He could step in. Ian Partington shook his head in, in amazement and a small chuckle issued from his lips. Wasn't this what he had just been thinking about? It looked like fate was not going to give him a choice. Here comes Super, here comes super Git. He thought in horror, wondering what Sara would think when he told her he'd played superhero today. Focusing his thoughts, Ian reached out with his mind and a, and a cable of golden energy shimmered in the air and grabbed a hold of the taxi. He was stepping in. He was helping. But no bloody tights, he thought. One must draw the line somewhere. So that was chapter four of Justice League of America and um, Exterminators. And I have to say that, that I like that chapter. I like how um, we, we were able to see what Ian. Sorry, I had to yell there for a second. Oh, I liked how we saw Ian, what Ian was um, kind of like 
and you know he seems just like a normal guy not wanting to get in any trouble and he's british i don't know if i'm using any cuss words or anything i don't know british slang or nothing and i'm not even gonna try to do an accent because i know i can't i just can't for anybody so sorry if you get confused at times when um i'm just using my normal voice because i kind of try to change my voice to some of the characters like with batman i try to be more serious but that was funny i liked i found that pretty funny when they were sitting down and talking like it just the writer seems to really know the characters and um i like that even with somebody like superman who i don't know if superman was like that at the time he seems a lot he seems quite a bit serious and um but i like how <laughs> superman just he ignores batman's stare like he can tell that superman is like he's not this like super cool serious guy he's kind of like you know he's weird he, you know he has things like you like you know little things that he does um which i find funny and uh of course the two like youngest members in the league are like the ones um giving jokes i mean wally didn't give a joke during the whole like you know meeting bit but kyle did and the reactions the 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 reactions of just ignoring them is just funny so i like i like this chapter um the it's interesting um i would like to see more i guess i don't know i'm not gonna make a decision yet on the story but the story so far has just been okay i more like the interactions between the characters i think they're good but the story itself just isn't appealing i think it's because it's a pretty simple story it's like okay people are becoming metahumans now and we haven't even got to the main part like i would say that we're still in the beginning and um it's moving pretty slow um we're only on chapter we're not going to be on chapter five so we'll see if it starts to pick up i hope so because it's moving pretty slow and sorry if i sound tired i went yesterday oh happy new year's by the way when i'm making this happy new year's we're in 2021 now that's weird saying i think i'm gonna have to tell me that every day to finally realize that it's 2021 it's the first of january so um yeah i'll leave you with that um i believe and i'm just gonna leave with that thank you for listening to this I'll see you tomorrow. It should be tomorrow with Chapter 5 of Just League of America Exterminators. Uh, Good day.